Girlfriends, episode number 115, Being Good Enough with Colleen Duggan. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance and joy in family living. This week I'm sharing a wonderful conversation I had recently with mom, girlfriend and author Colleen Duggan. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? Welcome to another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. Happy Easter. I hope you had a wonderful Easter Sunday, but I also hope you're continuing to celebrate Easter because it's 50 days long. Yay. We get 40 days of Lent and 50 days of Easter. So I think that's a pretty sweet deal and I intend to take advantage of it. Mostly I've been taking advantage of it by eating too much sugar. So I'm probably going to try to change that. I don't recommend that because honestly, I feel like my body feels like it's been abused and I guess it's because it has. I just haven't been eating well. (laughs) It's just really bad. But you know what? I just, I can't resist those Whopper eggs, those Robin's eggs. And I bought a lot of them because I love them. If I'm going to be honest for the kids baskets. Uh, So they're all over the place. This is just a really bad scene. Um, So I need to start getting rid of them in ways other than putting them inside my body because I'm not feeling great and I know exactly why. So that's not how I recommend celebrating Easter for 50 days. One day of that is fine. And probably you had a Sunday that was along those lines. We did too. It was a lot of fun. We went to my parents' house, all of us, except for my son Ambrose, who's at Ave Maria University down in Florida. So he wasn't able to be home for Easter, but he got mailed his Easter basket. He was fine. Um, he, he went to the vigil mass there and then texted us some pictures and went to a party afterwards and it all looked very good. You know what? And then I was realizing as we were going through this Easter season without Ambrose here, I was so sad last year. I really was, um, especially during Holy week last year, anticipating a first Easter where our entire family, you know, immediate family, my kids weren't all going to be home. It was really hard for me. Honestly, I was going around sometimes just blinking back tears because I was so upset about it. It just hurt a lot. I was sad and I was missing him and it felt not right. And it was a really difficult, really challenging thing for me last year. And this year, it was fine. I mean, of course we miss him. And of course, we'll be happy to see him when he comes home. And maybe this is part of it. He's coming home next month. And I'm very aware of that. I don't know. Last year, somehow I wasn't. Um, And so I think... Well, this is what I want to say for anyone who's struggling with children getting older, children leaving and whatnot. Some parts of it get easier. They get better at it and you get better at it. So um, I'm not perfect at it. And in fact, my daughter, Juliet, announced on Easter Sunday that she's planning to go to Ave Maria next year. We were waiting for her to decide what she was planning to do for her college year. Um, She had a a few different options. She'd been accepted at a number of places. I was hoping she would choose Ave Maria, so that was joyful news. But at the same time, I'm anticipating another loss, another kid moving out far away. Of course, she'll be with her brother, which is a consolation. She'll be at a wonderful place, which also is a consolation. Uh, But at the same time, it's a loss, and I'm anticipating that. I'm anticipating my oldest daughter, Kadri, who I mentioned last week, um, was recently engaged. You know, they don't have a date set 
yet, but um, she's looking for full-time work and she may be setting out on her own, you know, sometime soon here. And so that would leave me if all of that happens um, with just four kids in my house next year, which is huge. I mean, a huge difference. We've had mostly six in the house this year. Um, I am consoling myself with the fact that it gets easier. I know this because I've done it. And I know I got through this Easter season a lot easier than I did last Easter season and baby steps, right? So if you're anticipating that sort of thing, or even if your kids are very small and you think that's a million years away, or even if they're in between and you're like, oh my gosh, some days I wish they would just be gone for a little while or I want some space. I want some quiet. That day does come and it is hard and you do get better at it and they get better at it. You know, I was talking to a friend at my son's tennis match yesterday whose daughter had a lot of trouble adjusting to college this year, trouble with roommates and whatnot and all of that. And she said, I was so relieved because she called me the other day and one of her friends was transferring out of the school. And she said to me, mom, I can't believe she's leaving because this place is so amazing. I love it here. And, you know, this woman was tearing up telling me this because it had been a long road getting there. So all kinds of growing pains at this stage. I shared a little bit last week about how I feel like I'm applying for jobs and internships and college, and I'm still feeling that way. We're still doing a bit of that. Um, but it's it's a different phase of life, and I'm doing my best to enjoy the good parts of it because, if I'm honest, there are good parts of it, and look on the positive of it. And it's it's just amazing to be able to see your kids grow and go out into the world and try new things and take on new adventures. And I'm I'm real proud of my kids and the and the things that they're doing. So I'm trying to focus there, um, and I want to encourage anybody who's uh, either dreading it. I know I was as my kids were in high school age. I was just dreading the very idea of them leaving. I kind of spent many years that way. And the summer before uh, my son Eamon left for college, I, I spent the entire summer like em emotionally wrecked because I was anticipating this great loss at the end of the summer. So it gets easier and you get better at it. I wasn't even planning to talk about that. But anyway, <laughs> here we are. That's what we ended up talking about. So anyway, I want to encourage you um, to celebrate the 50 days of Easter. That was the, the note I had for myself. In some way, like I am, um, there might be a way you can kind of transform your, your Lenten practices into Easter practices. I'm trying to do that with myself where I was sharing how I was um, practicing daily prayer and sacrifice through fasting for different people like with with the intention of doing it for other people um, throughout the Lenten season. And I'm trying to continue that. In fact, I have a little notebook and I've started to keep track because I found sometimes I was getting stressed out. Like I'd hear about somebody in need of prayer and think I'm going to, I'm going to, pray for that person intentionally, you know, someday in the coming week. And then I'd forget, or I'd worry that I was going to forget. And so nothing fancy. It's not some beautiful prayer journal or something, but I have a little notebook where I'm, I'm trying to keep track and I'm trying to continue that practice of intentionally praying for people each day, even if I'm not going to keep up the, the Lenten fasting um, that I was doing, but you know, there's stuff you can offer up every day. And um, it's, 
it's very possible to do that. So maybe there's some way you can transform whatever Lenten practice you had, whether it was a prayer practice or a fasting or um, taking on a new habit, into an Easter practice that doesn't have to be quite so penitential, but still can be very positive. I think it's important to do those kinds of things and remind ourselves um, the importance of this season. Because even though when I went to the store yesterday and everybody was schlepping back to work and back to school yesterday, um, you know, when I stopped at the store, everything was set up for the 4th of July at like 7 a.m. yesterday. Really crazy. Um, th- that's fine, but it doesn't even have to all be about the bunnies and Easter eggs. But I do find it very encouraging that if there's some craft or some Easter thing that you haven't gotten around to, and I do this every year, like we always dye eggs on Easter Saturday, on Holy Saturday, not Easter Saturday, that's coming up, Holy Saturday. Um, so we did do that. But if you had another thing, like a, a recipe you wanted to try, like a cute cupcake you wanted to make or a ham or whatever, you can still do it. It's still very appropriate to be doing Easter kinds of things in the coming days. So I want to encourage you to take advantage of that and celebrate Easter for 50 days. Okay. I also, um, this week have a special conversation that I can't wait to share with you. Colleen Duggan is an author and a friend Uh, who I've known online, we've never met in person for many years, and I've admired her writing and enjoyed her writing for many years. And I love that she's just a super practical, down-to-earth, encouraging kind of writer, and she shares about her life in a very real way. Um, And she recently had a book come out. The book is called Good Enough is Good Enough, Confessions of an Imperfect Catholic Mom. And it It is just what it sounds like, and I know you'll enjoy the book, but I also know you're going to just enjoy getting to know Colleen a little more in this conversation. Take a listen. Hello, everybody. It's an exciting day here at Girlfriends because we have a special guest joining us, my friend and colleague, only online. We've never met in person, but I feel like we have. Colleen Duggan, author Colleen Duggan, is joining us today. Colleen is author of the book, Good Enough is Good Enough, Confessions of an Imperfect Catholic Mom. She is a catechist, director of the women's ministry at her parish, and speaks and writes about Catholicism and Catholic parenting. You can find her online at Colleen Murphy duggan.com. Welcome, Colleen. I'm so glad you're here with me. What a treat. Thank you so much for having me. And I've really been looking forward to it. Me too, especially since your brand new book, Fresh Off the Presses from Ave Maria Press. I just finished reading it. I got an advanced copy of it and I loved it. And I emailed you right away and said, come on the show, because this is going to be so great. Um, So let's start out, like, tell people a little bit about who you are, um, because your your bio doesn't mention your family, but that for sure is an important part of your bio with regard to this book. That's true. I, 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 how did I leave them out? I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) I guess they kind of are like an appendage, you know, they go wherever I go. You don't even see them anymore. I know. I know how it is. (laughs) <laughs> That's terrible. Yes, I I am, I am a mother to six children, and I'm married to my husband John for 15 years. And in the margins of my life, I wear a lot of other hats, just like you. 
Right. Yeah. And I've enjoyed all the hats you've worn over the years and enjoyed the blogging and the writing that you've shared in various places and contributing at CatholicMom.com. It's really, um, you know, I think our, our lives have kind of coincided, although I think you're a little bit behind me in years, but that's okay. Um, and, uh, but how about maybe share a little bit about what brought about this book? Because you've been writing and sharing online for, for many years. What, what made the timing right for this? And, and what, what brought that topic um, to, to your mind? Well, uh, I work, I've worked for many years with, um, I've had the good fortune of working under very wonderful Catholic editors, yourself and Lisa and Elizabeth Scalia, but it was actually Randy Hain who I'd worked with for a long time. I don't know if you know him, but he writes the integrated Catholic life. And he, he would tell me about once every six months, he'd email me and say, you really have a book in you. I, I think you need to think about it. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. He's so encouraging. <laughs> he really was. And, you know, at first I just kind of, I, I don't want to say I blew him off, but I thought, oh, he probably says that to everyone, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, he really encouraged me and he really encouraged me, ironically, even though this is kind of a, a Catholic mom book, mm-hmm. he really encouraged me not to limit myself to just moms. He said, because I really relate to a lot of the things that you talk about with regard to Catholic parenting. So that was also a really nice little voice of encouragement mm-hmm. to receive that from him. So I, I plugged away for years, like you said, at writing and, um, submitting pl- articles, different places. And I would have luck. I, I, that's all. I always just kind of was surprised. Like, I can't believe they're going to publish that. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's because you're talented. <laughs> that's kind. I, I just was, it was always such a great boon in my life. The writing, I felt like, mm-hmm. um, that was a real source of joy for me. Uh, And so I couldn't kind of believe my good fortune that God would kind of bless that. You know, I I know that sounds kind of dark, but I know I I understand, (laughs) you know, that was such a treat to be able to participate in that and then to have a little success. And then, and then really for someone to take an interest and really encourage me and to write a proposal and then help me out in that way was just a, a really a great blessing. That's wonderful. And, you know, the, people can tell by the title, okay, Good Enough is Good Enough, Confessions of an Imperfect Catholic Mom. So we get a little idea of the content there. Um, is perfectionism something that you've struggled with? <gasps> I mean, I could probably write 25 books about that. Right. I think all of us could, you know, I think to varying degrees, but we all yeah. have some experience of, of battling that perfectionism. Share a little yeah. bit about that. Yes. Well, it was interesting, actually, because when I was writing the book, one time my editor, who I love, wrote, uh, you know, emailed me back and she said, you know, this really isn't perfection that the the whole book, this isn't really just she said, I know a lot about perfection. And I I thought about it and I thought and I after I, I, I sat on that for a few days and I wrote her back, I said, you know, you're really right. It is. I do struggle with doing things, quote unquote, the right way, whatever the right way is deemed by Colleen Duggan. Mm-hmm. But I also struggle with control, you know, yes. feeling like I have all my ducks in a row and that I'm managing the situation the way it needs to be managed. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, that I think even more than the perfection kind of made me miserable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the way we do to ourselves, especially yes. early on. Yes. And I think it was exacerbated. And I talk a lot about it in my book, or I mentioned it in my book, I should say, about some, you know, from my childhood, I, you know, I kind of developed some of those control and perfectionistic tendencies as a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. But then once I got married and had my own kids, 
those coping mechanisms didn't serve me so much in or so well anymore. Right, right. And they kind of really added to the strain that that I was experiencing life just by daily living. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah. So I would say perfection and control. Mm-hmm. And now those are themes that come up time and again inside the chapters of the book. But um, how is the book kind of organized and structured so people people can know, like, is this a parenting book? Is this just for moms? Is this like a how to um, well, maybe describe it a little bit? Yes, I love that question, because one thing I did not want to do was write a, you know, bullet pointed listicle right. on how. Uh, how to raise Catholic kids. I tweak, I I call it tweaking. My head starts shaking when I read those kinds of things. (laughs) (laughs) At least you didn't say twerking. (laughs) (laughs) No twerking. No, Uh, no. (laughs) But, but mainly because I want to be that person who can bullet point and, and do it and check Mm -hmm. it off and then get to heaven. Right. But that's not really the way things have worked out in my life. Mm -hmm. So the way the way I also say in the book, it's not a didactic treaty on how to overcome perfectionism or control because I'm, I haven't been cured of those things. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I've, I've experienced healing for sure in those areas. And God is still working very much with me every day to release me from that bondage. Mm-hmm. And I do feel a great deal of freedom from, from being enslaved into that way of life. But I'm not, it's not gone, unfortunately. Sure. So in the book, I, the other thing I'll say too about how I organized the book is, uh, you know, I don't know how you were when you were a younger mom. I know how I was. I felt like I must be the only one dealing with this. Right. I'm the only crazy person. I'm the only one struggling with my toddlers. I'm the only one who's sometimes doesn't talk to her husband for 24 hours because he looked at her cross-eyed and now she's, you know, Uh, and so I really wanted, I I didn't want the book to be a tell all or salacious or, you know, over the top in terms of, you know, like if you read a blog post that shares a little bit too much, I did not want that. Right. But I did want on like an honest reflection on the state of affairs. (laughs) Right. (laughs) No. And I think you succeeded in doing that because I know what you're talking about, that kind of oversharing, especially with regard to parenting or marriage, you just come away feeling icky, but it's absolutely not that, but you share in an encouraging way and with just enough honesty that, you know, I think requires a great deal of humility on your part to just be open in those ways. But I find that that's really truly the way that we women can connect in meaningful ways by being vulnerable with one another. And you are truly vulnerable in this book. Well, I appreciate that. It it was a grace, I'm sure, because that, you know, we are women or I, you know, we want to look good. And we want to, you know, I want people to think I have everything together and it's, it's really not the truth. (laughs) (laughs) And so I wanted, I wanted to give parents permission to find their safe people. We actually ran a pilot program. Uh, I wrote a compendium to the book and we, the, the publisher gave me permission to write, run a public, uh, pilot program. And so I gathered about 20 women and I've been leading Bible studies for years, but I can tell you, and at first, again, I thought I was just biased. Mm-hmm. It was powerful what happened in that, in that small face sharing group. Wow. Because the ladies felt comfortable and they felt like they had a place that was safe to talk about the daily challenges that they experience that are normal, but sometimes in mixed conversation or in just 
everyday life, they might not feel free to be as open and vulnerable about sharing, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really a beautiful thing when you can foster that kind of community somewhere in your life. You know, whether it's at your parish or just among a group of girlfriends or with your sisters that we all really do. We crave that kind of connection. And we're just dying to let our hair down a little bit and say, you know what? Me too. And you know what? Um, you know, I struggle with that too, or, or just to hear somebody else admit something that you and, you know, the darkest places of your heart felt like you were alone with a struggle with something. I think that's so empowering for us. It really is. It has been that way for me. You know, if, if an, if a mom, another mom who has struggled with something has said, given me an encouraging word, mm-hmm. I haven't, I've like, okay, I can do this. It's going to be okay. Right. And I wanted to write to that young mom you know, like who was me? It was me. I was writing to, Mm -hmm. to say like, it's all going to be okay. Look to Jesus. He loves you. He's got you. And he wants the best for you. Yeah. We've got to work on these little things here over here. You're a little bit of a control freak and you, you know, you need to dial it down a notch and Mm -hmm. you don't have to be that high, strong and intense, but you're my child and I love you. And we're going to work this out. Right. No, I completely agree. And I think that this is such a feminine struggle. You know, it's funny because when I was reading your book, my husband looked at the title and he he kind of like wrinkled up his nose like, what, don't don't be excellent. Like good enough <laughs> is good enough. And I'm like, no, but that was such a masculine take on it. You know, like. Well, I actually have to tell you, one of my really dear friends, also a man, said, you know, Colleen, that's a dangerous title because we're supposed to be saints, you know, heaven. And um, and of course, I joked about how if I eke into purgatory, I'll be really pleased. But (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, obviously, we want more than that. But it's really not that we've dumbed down the idea of sainthood that we Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. not that I I don't think. The whole problem is that I had a distorted view of what sanctity entails. Yes. And that it was all on you, perhaps, you know, I I feel like that's and that's what I tried to make my husband understand. I don't know if he he gets it now, but um, I think it it is a uniquely feminine struggle. Not that men don't struggle with this, but this idea, especially inside of our family lives, that we take it all on ourselves and we put that burden on ourselves and how it comes out at the end of the day is like getting a grade on a science fair project. And that's just not what God wants for us. And that isn't becoming a saint. I, I totally agree with that. And I don't know if you have struggled with this. I'd like to know. I, I know for myself, I also w- run into dangerous territory of making my family the little gods that I serve, mm-hmm. you know, because, so, you know, there's a real danger that I can get my identity from their successes, you know, that defines me in some way. I mean, I'm aware of that now, but in the past, I think I was especially more susceptible to that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's not sainthood either. Just like you said that, because I'm called to be a saint in the way that God is inviting me to given the gifts that he's given to me and, you know, strengths and weaknesses Mm -hmm. and not, not because I've raised great Catholic kids. Right. Or not. Right. Exactly. Or, I think that's the temptation to consider it like a project or something or yeah, like we're, I love we're, that. we're earning our, our heaven by, you know, doing this family thing the right way and, you know, having it the outcome of our choosing. But it's I mean, to me, that's like a grandiose idea of who I am and what kind of control I have in my life. And and that was part of what, Colleen, I really appreciated about your book was that it did cause me to reflect on some areas of my life where I was doing that, even though I think I've come a long way since those early 20s days of mommyhood. But um, but still, I you know, it made me realize I still do struggle with this 
vain notion that I'm in charge of things and that I'm controlling things. And as my kids are growing and going out in the world, of course, you're meant to feel a sense of pride and accomplishment with regard to the things they do. But you know what? Flip that around because your kids have free will. I, I, I ruin right? every day of my life, but they do. <laughs> and you can't control that outcome in either direction. You can't take the credit. You can't take the blame. It's all grace. And, you know, you do your best by them, of course, and you pray for them and you encourage them and support them. But, you know, just recognizing what our role is there. And it's not the role of God. And sometimes we put ourselves in that place. I, I totally agree. And I struggle with the same thing. And I don't know about you, but one of the ways I, I recognize that in my daily life is I, I, I have this surge of fear <laughs> mm-hmm. all of a sudden that will come over me if, if my kid presents to me a situation that I, you know, kind of, I'm like, oh, I don't like that you did it that way. It should have been this way. And yeah. it's really an invitation to let God into that moment for me. And it's hard. And I struggle with the same thing that you mentioned. And I appreciate you sharing that with me because again, you know, I'm edified by knowing that, mm-hmm. that, Okay, Danielle also sometimes can control her kids or struggle, you know, wants to. She yeah. wants to. Maybe you don't do it, but um, or maybe you do, and then you go back and fix it. I don't know. Right? No, absolutely. It's 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 like two steps forward. Yeah. One step back. I don't know how many steps. It depends on the day, how many steps I'm taking in what direction. And hopefully at the end, it's making forward progress. And um, that's where I'm focusing these days, especially, you know, as as my kids are getting older, really coming to grips with the fact that you don't control them, even in, you know, funny, superficial ways, you know, like um, I, I, I in the same day I had my daughter, who's 18, announced to me that she was going to go and um, get a nose piercing. And then at, on the same day, my, my son, who's in college, told me he was going to he was booking a trip to Greece. And, <laughs> I, you know, I was just like, you know what, this is I mean, you know, there I, there's no there's no moral issue here. Honestly, right. I don't I don't right. believe. But this isn't no, this isn't what I want to deal with today. You know, yeah. that's like, <laughs> you know, like I get that. You don't have the space for it. Yes, I get it. Yes. And, you know, it was just like um, and, and just so difficult for me to be like, they're autonomous people. And end of the day, they're going to do what they do. And he might take, you know, like, you know, this is the same son who just booked himself a solo trip to the Holy Land last summer and just <laughs> did that thing. And I had to be like okay, I'll drop you off at the airport and, you know, have a good time. And, you know, it's just so hard, that sense of control that sometimes I I realize as they've gotten older that, um, and maybe you can share, because you you did share some great stories in your book about control, a sense of control over your kids and their their health and their well-being. Um, But just those, those moments where the illusion is gone and you have to realize, oh, all those, you know, I felt so comfortable all this time feeling like I was in control, but I never was anyway, you know? Um, Maybe you can share a little bit, um, maybe one of the stories from your book with regard to that. Well, the, the, I think the most, at least the biggest struggle for me, I talk a lot about um, was when my son was life-threateningly ill, my oldest, he's now 14, but as a little guy, a toddler, he, we had a year long medical drama and he was seriously ill. And I write in the book about how he was, he was my oldest. So I had all these, you know, again, with the preconceived notions about how I thought things were going to be, mm-hmm. I thought we were going to study multiple language. I mean, this sounds ridiculous now when I'm telling you <laughs> out loud. I hear you. You're going to be like, uh, get a grip. That, that's why it's good to share with girlfriends. 
<laughs> but I, I thought like, oh, the, my kids are going to have the intellectual rigor of St. Thomas Aquinas. Mm -hmm. And we are going to, you know, learn how to read early. And, you know, I, I don't do anything halfway. And so I just thought that my kids would just be these well-rounded individuals exposed to many wonderful activities mm -hmm. and the best education I could possibly offer. And then he got sick and he mm -hmm. almost died. Right. And right. it was it was very scary. It was emotionally draining. It was, it was all the feelings that you could imagine in a year of that kind of situation happening. I had, I had those emotions and mm -hmm. I realized, you know, like St. Thomas writes at the end, you know, after he wrote his summa, the thousands and thousands of pages, he said, it, he said, it, it's all straw. Mm -hmm. And I love that, <laughs> you know, because yeah. that's how I felt about my ideas, you know, it's all straw. And, and really, you know, my husband and I, marriage is hard. And so when we would experience these interpersonal issues that I also talk about in the book, mm -hmm. you know, uh, what, what do any of that, those things matter? Having great educated kids that are able to go out and conquer the world. If they don't feel loved by me and my husband and we don't, we're not modeling a good marriage and mm -hmm. we, we don't even know how to speak civilly sometimes to each other. Sure. And so for me, um, his Patrick's sickness was kind of a catalyst in realizing, first of all, that it is really, truly, like you, you said, an illusion. Control is an illusion. Mm -hmm. And that did I really want to put my eggs in that particular basket of, of we have to look a certain way, do things a certain way, or did I want to be embrace my calling to be God's child, you know, embrace my identity as his child and, and live that out in my daily life in a way that was loving and kind and charitable, even though things were hard around me. Right. No, I think that's beautiful. And the way you share it in the book, people, you've got to get a copy of this book. Good enough is good enough. Confessions of an imperfect Catholic mom. I'm talking with Colleen Duggan, who's the author and a mom of six. And just, you know, you share so vulnerably and beautifully, especially about marriage, because you know what? I don't think enough people talk about that stuff. And, uh, I preach. I, I so agree. And then again, it's the thing where you're like, this must just be me. Right. No, I know you end up feeling that way and feeling like you're, you're putting on a big show or a sham, you know, with your yeah. public life because you're really struggling on the inside. And so I think it really is important for women to get together with other women, but also couples to get together with other couples and say, you know, it's really hard sometimes and, and admit some stupid, you know, petty thing that you did or that you got upset about for a scandalous length of time, you know, that yes. it, these things happen. And I know every marriage is different. I have this good girlfriend. I love her. I love her. I love her. But she says she and her husband never fight. And I just want to throw up every time I yeah. hear that because that's so unhelpful. <laughs> that is not inspiring for it, me it, especially <laughs> if you're someone who, stro who throws books against the wall yes. like I do that's I not helpful exactly it's just important <laughs> to know there are different temperaments and each you know each couple I think has their own charism and it's important to recognize that but this brings me to my next question because I want to know from you Colleen what what is one area of your life where you've you felt tempted to compare yourself to other people in particular. And what kind of advice do you offer to people who struggle with that? Because I hear from them every day. People are really struggling with that idea. They're like, I know I'm not supposed to do it. And yet here I am. I'm constantly comparing myself to other people. 
Oh my gosh. Uh, well, and that's how uh, one of the chapters is about compare. I sometimes mm -hmm. compare myself with other parents. I, I definitely do that with the marriage thing. I love that you use that example mm -hmm. because I, I'm a volatile. <laughs> I tend towards volatile reactions to things. I'm not a low key individual. I just am not wired that way. I'm, I, you know, I feel all the things all the time. Mm -hmm. And so Mary, you know, when I see these couples, I, you know, sometimes that has been hard for me because my, my husband is, we, he's a devoted, wonderful man. And we, we've had to learn how to work things out together. And it's sure. been kind of messy. And he's like this uber phlegmatic piece at all costs, you know, which is the reason why I married him. Mm -hmm. I, I, I remember, um, one time a counselor asked us, okay, pretend you're a, you're a number scale and Colleen, Zero is when you're like on the beach in Tahiti with a, like an alcoholic beverage. And 10 is domestic violence. You're about to put, put a fist <laughs> through the wall. Yeah. He was like, I want to know where you are in the daily scale, scheme of things. Like where, mm -hmm. what number would you at? Where you'd be at? I'm like, I'm like, like probably a seven or an eight all the time. Mm -hmm. And then John gave his answer and it was less than mine, but also pretty, he's also an intense person. Mm -hmm. And then I said to the guy, who's a, a two? Like, have you ever met anyone? <laughs> <laughs> and he started laughing and he was like, you know what? No one's ever asked me that. I said, well, I'd like to meet them if yeah. there are two. Yeah. I want to know who they are. But anyway, all that to say the intensity, John's intensity in a different way than mine was kind of a challenge, like navigating yeah. that in our marriage. And I would see other really good Catholic couples that we were great friends with. They didn't seem to have the same interpersonal struggles that we did. Mm -hmm. They might have had other struggles, but right. I, they have things that you've never even thought of because you haven't exactly, had to deal with it. Definitely. They absolutely did. But I, I guess, you know how when you, I, at least for me, I'm, I'm sensitive too about the kind of, you know, my weaknesses, I know they're there and I know like my sinful tendencies mm -hmm. and it just feels like a pinprick when, when it it's exposed, you know, you're like, Oh, there mm -hmm. it is. There it is again. And I just felt like everyone else could see those things too. And maybe they couldn't, but it just was kind of, um, an opened wound. So sure. I, I would compare myself in unhelpful ways. And really, you know, it's none of my business, really, honestly. That's another thing I've been really training myself to think about lately is what what it's none of my business what they do. And it's none of the, my business what they think of me. And none of it really is my business. What is my business is what's going on in my own house. Exactly. But it's hard. <laughs> so hard, so hard to keep your focus there. And I love the way you put that. It's none of your business, you know, <laughs> like focus on your own business. Like you don't have enough to do inside of your own vocation. It's, you need yeah. to be nosing about everybody else's that, um, you know, but I, I think it, it is important for women to come together and share openly about these things. And your book is a great catalyst for doing that. Um, you shared a little bit about um, there's some, some resources available if people want to use this in their mom's group. Uh, maybe you could let people know where they can find out more information about that because you know maybe someone's listening now and they're feeling like this would be a great book to do with my girlfriends or to bring to my women's group yes thank you so much for asking about that and the thing i would say about that is if you are someone who gets overwhelmed with starting things this is like the easy woman's guide you all you have to do <laughs> is download the study guide and then call your friends over that's it that's all you have to do awesome. because it's all done for you and you can find it for free on my website uh, ave maria design it looks beautiful ColleenMurphyDuggan.com. If people go to my website, ColleenMurphyDuggan.com, it's under the good enough, good is good enough uh, 
by it's a I forget companion study I think is what it's called okay uh, and they can find it there. All and right. if, we'll link I, to that in the show notes so people so have people a direct have link. Yeah. And I've been telling people if they, if they do gather a group and I'm available, I will Skype into one of their sessions. So they should email me and let oh me know. Oh my gosh. How cool is that? Okay, guys, this is a perfect <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> Take advantage of um, Colleen doing this uh, before she decides it's overwhelming and she's not going to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that but I really have because I've been so edified I'm sure you find this with your work too Danielle oh for sure don't you feel so edified when you talk to the ladies I absolutely love it like I did a a momnipotent group online through Ascension uh, last summer and with a lot of girlfriends listeners and it was so great like to be reminded of those things like I'm benefiting from my own book not because I'm some kind of genius (laughs) but because we all need those reminders and I wrote it as much as you know for myself as anybody else and that's the real vibe I'm getting from your book and I'm sure also the companion study guide that um, it's it's just real in that way and and it really is a beautiful aid to help connect women with other women. Oh, thank you. I hope so. It's, you know, God's it's, it's in God's hands, you know? Absolutely. So everybody go to ColleenMurphyDuggan.com. We'll have the links to her book in the show notes everywhere that you're listening to this podcast. You'll have access to those show notes. So check it out. ColleenMurphyDuggan.com. Colleen, thank you so much. You're just a delight to talk with. And I'm so glad you came on to share with the girlfriends today. Wow. Thank you so much for inviting me, Danielle. You're one of my longtime favorites. Oh, God bless you. (laughs) You too. Hey, do you like what we do here? Do you appreciate having access to girlfriends every week? Is it helpful or encouraging to you in your everyday life? Well, if so, there's a convenient way you can say thank you for the Girlfriends Podcast and encourage me to continue to record it. Patreon is a simple system that allows you to pledge your support for this podcast, show your appreciation, and encourage its production every week. At patreon.com forward slash girlfriends, you can make a pledge in any amount. Even just $1 per episode makes a real difference and is a simple way to show your appreciation and support of girlfriends. Please go to patreon.com forward slash girlfriends to find out more. Thank you so much. Hi, Danielle. My name is Ryan. I live in Minnesota and I am currently a stay-at-home mom for two kids. Our daughter, Zelly, is Uh, almost two. She will be two in May. And then our son, Christopher, was born in November. Um, I've been listening to your podcast for almost a year now, I think. I think it was around this time last year. I just have really felt part of this community, and community is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, And then I just, I feel like I know you and I pray for you and your family. And um, yeah, I just really appreciate having you in my earbuds while I'm doing dishes. Um, My question for you today is, um, is there a way that I can have a like routine or schedule of some kind with these little kids? And I know that's laughable and I'm sure people are going to laugh hearing me say this. Um, like, is it even possible to have a schedule or a routine of some kind with little kids? And probably not, but I would like to at least try. Um, so let's see, he was, my son was born in November and I would say in January and February, my postpartum depression really hit full force. Um, so I picked up doing a cleaning schedule called Fly Lady and that was really, really helpful. Um, I feel like I have that established for the most part as I look at two piles of 
laundry that needs to be folded and um, a bunch of dishes that need to be done. But um, I still feel like I'm more on top of things now than even four months ago. Um, so let's see. I really like uh, Waldorf methods and Montessori methods for uh, child development, um, but I have been looking up stuff for this age, like if they even had like, I don't know, homeschool curriculums for two-year-olds, not like having her sit at a table and do school, nothing like that at all. Um, but I just wanna know if there's like a schedule of some kind I can have for her. And I haven't really found anything. Um, I really like the idea of like morning time with like books and um, like an activity. Uh, lately we've been doing Play-Doh before my husband comes home from work and she's been really enjoying that. Um, so, I don't know. Do you have any insight for me at all? Um, if not, maybe one of your listeners do. Um, so, all right. Well, that's all I got. I hope that you have a wonderful Holy Week and happy almost Easter. Hi, Ryan. Thank you for your question. I appreciate the feedback and your encouragement and your sharing of the struggle you're in right now. I appreciate that so much. And it brings back a lot of memories, even just hearing the baby in the background um, of my own struggles. And I think it's very normal. And you're kind of laughing at yourself a little bit for wanting a structure, wanting a routine, wanting a schedule of some kind. But I think it's very normal. That gives us security. It gives us a sense of accomplishment even. And for sure, you can have to whatever degree you want it and will appreciate it in your life, you can have a schedule, you can have a routine, you can have a plan for how you're going to spend your day. And some people thrive on having every moment planned out. And if you're that kind of person and you do make that kind of plan, just know that sometimes it's all going to fall apart. What I found was really helpful for me when I was a mom of just little kids, especially, was having a loose structure. And it sounds like you're kind of heading in that direction right now. Like, um, in the morning we do this, you know, um, in the, in during, you know, the early afternoon probably is nap time or quiet time. Um, in the morning you do books or in the afternoon you do a craft or you do some kind of play like with Play-Doh, like you're talking about some sort of art activity. And, um, as my kids got a little older, what I found was helpful and maybe this will be helpful to you was having a basic structure to the day, which when I say basic, I mean, basic, like, you know, we, we have breakfast, we clean up breakfast. Um, the kids are, you know, play with, you know, certain kinds of toys during that time of day. Then we clean that up. Then we have lunch. Then we clean up lunch, that sort of thing, where really your day is, is structured by what the kids need and, and what the next thing is for the kids, whether it's mealtime or nap time or bath time or whatever. Um, so having that basic structure in place for each day. But then for each day of the week when I was home and my husband was working, I would have a different focus, like one thing, whether it was this is the day um, that I'm going to clean bathrooms and, you know, the kids will have their own little chores that are age appropriate for, for what they do. Or this is the day where we're going to bake 
and just, you know, if you enjoy that sort of thing, or this is the day we're going to do a craft activity together, or this is the day we're going to go to the library or, you know, whatever it is, you know, find your things. And I found just having one thing that kind of set the day apart was mentally very helpful for me because you mentioned some struggles with postpartum depression and um, that is not something to be taken lightly. And if you find yourself going in that direction, make sure you get the help that you need. Um, but even just beyond that, um, beyond clinical, any kind of clinical depression, it can be really hard and you can feel like you're lost and you could feel like nobody sees you and you can just feel like you're drowning inside of your, your little life inside your home sometimes if you don't have that. Like if you're the kind of person, you know... I think it's really helpful to know yourself. If you're the kind of person that needs to get out every day, and I'm not even that kind of person, but I have had times in my seasons of motherhood where I needed to get out every day. I remember packing up the kids and going to the store and I didn't need anything. I just needed to get out. And that's know that about yourself and then schedule it and work around that structure. Give yourself the, the kind of peace and security and contentment and anticipation that comes from that kind of structure. Um, you might arrange a regular play date or something like that like that. But I found it really helpful to just limit it to one thing um, each day that was different and that we would focus on. And it didn't always work that way, but it was kind of nice to have our basic structure and then mix it up with one other thing that was going on that day, whether it was something that needed to be done or something fun or whatever. You get to decide. And that's the other empowering thing that I want to mention to you is this is great. You know, it's a great opportunity. Not every mom is able to stay home with her little kids. So first of all, it's a privilege in that sense. But it's also a privilege in that you get to decide how you're spending your days. And that's wonderful. It's it's very exciting. And it's a great opportunity for you to grow as a mom, for you to grow as an individual, for you to set goals for yourself and accomplish them. So... I want to encourage you in that. Um, and Ryan, let, let, I, want to, I want to let you know that I'll be praying for you this week, um, that you find that structure, that you find um, what it is you're looking for. Um, I, I think I would encourage you to not look for a set structure. It sounds like maybe you're looking at resources, homeschooling stuff and whatnot. And there will be time enough for that later. But I think what will suit you the best right now is coming up with your own. And like I said, it doesn't need to be complicated, especially with kids as young as your kids are right now. The most sense is for you to make up your own structure that suits your needs and your preferences and what your kids and you like to do together. So anyway, I want to encourage you that I'll be praying for you to find that, to find that peace and contentment inside of your home life in the coming weeks. And I want to encourage listeners to also pray for Ryan. But if you have some advice, maybe you're in that same place or maybe you're just beyond that same place and you can share what works for you or, or some idea or something that might inspire Ryan or be helpful to her inside of her adjustment to this family life right now. So let me know if you do. You can email me, Danielle at DanielleBean.com. You can record yourself on your phone just like Ryan did and then email it to me, which is a great thing to do. Also, you can connect with me on Voxer. The link to connect with me on Voxer is in every post, every show notes at daniellebean.com. Okay, I do have some more feedback, but I think I'm going to hold off and share it next week because I don't want to go um, too much longer in this episode and I want to give that feedback the time that it's due. So if you sent me something, no, I'm going to be sharing it in um, probably next week's episode. And in the meantime, I want to encourage you to send me your thoughts, your feelings, your reactions, your questions. It's very helpful to me. I've been hearing from some listeners who let me know what kind of topics would be helpful, what kind of questions they have. And really, I'm doing this 
to support and encourage you in your life. Whatever you're doing right now, whatever you're struggling with right now, I want to know about it because I want to be able to help you. I want to be able to encourage you in that place where you are right now, if that's at all possible. So let me know what's going on in your life. Let me know what kinds of struggles you're facing and we can maybe take them on together as a community here at Girlfriends in a future episode. Thank you so much for all of the feedback. Thank you so much for leaving reviews at iTunes. It makes a difference. More people will hear about the Girlfriends podcast and join our community and we all benefit from that. If you're sharing the podcast on your social media, if you're sharing it with friends, but also leaving those reviews at iTunes is really helpful. So just rate it, review it, and make sure you hit that subscribe button. It's very helpful in getting the word out and letting more people know about the Girlfriends podcast. So thank you for those of you who've been doing that. And thank you just for being here. As always, you know, I love that you tune in every week. I love that we have this time to connect and share together. So thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for making time in your week for girlfriends and for what we share here. Thanks for being here. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Happy Easter. Girlfriends, this is a DanielleBean.com production. Know your worth, find your joy. 